We're going to get started this evening, and it's a joy to see you all turn out tonight to worship the Lord in prayer. And so, as we get started, let's just uh, open with the word of prayer, and then we'll open up God's word. So let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the great privilege we have this evening as a church first to open your word. Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us clearly and truthfully without error in your word. We thank you that as we open up this book, we behold your glory in the face of Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray that your spirit would help us to understand the words that we study, that we might be changed from one degree of glory into another. And Father, we also thank you for the privilege that we'll have tonight as a church to approach you in prayer. Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer that Christ has bought by his own blood. Father, we thank you for the confidence that we have to come and draw near to you tonight on the basis of his righteousness. And Father, we pray that we would avail ourselves of this gift boldly tonight and keep on knocking and seeking um, and asking. And we pray, Father, that we would pray in faith without wavering and rejoice when we see you answer our prayers according to your perfect will and wisdom. Father, we pray that you give us grace tonight as we turn to your word. Help us to understand your truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so tonight we are going to continue our study in principles on prayer from the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, remembering that this study is organized into six parts, we will turn once again this evening to section one, which is principles on prayer from the arrival of Jesus. Principles on prayer from the arrival of Jesus. Uh, last time we were together, we learned in chapter 1 of our study from the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth that God remembers every prayer. Well, tonight we learn once again from two elderly saints, Simeon and Anna, that God not only remembers every prayer, but God also hears every one of them, meaning that God receives them, he accepts them, and he answers them. Now, the record that we're looking at from the arrival of Jesus tonight begins 40 days after Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2. We know this because Luke 2.22 tells us that, what, that this account happened when the time for their purification according to the law of Moses had to take place, which according to Leviticus 12 uh, verse 4 happened 40 days after someone was born. So Jesus is a little over a month by the time this uh, account takes place humanly, but he's got a lesson for us to teach already about the effectiveness of prayer. So let's take a look beginning in verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. Begins in verse 25 by Luke recording this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Stop right there. Just like the last time, uh, in the previous chapter of our study, the name of the individual here is very important in making us aware of the lesson that we are to learn tonight. 
The last time that we studied in Luke, the name, if you remember, of Zechariah meant the Lord remembers and kind of clued us in to what those verses were teaching us. Well, tonight, that name Simeon means the Lord hears. You say, well, hears what? The rest of the account is going to unfold that for us. The Lord hears the prayers of his people. We'll see that in this passage. We'll see that the Lord heard the prayers of Simeon. The Lord heard the prayers of Anna. The Lord heard the prayers of all true Israelites. And the Lord still hears the prayers of all his people. So the Lord hears just as Simeon's name teaches us. But Simeon's life is going to teach us that truth also. Look at the end of verse 25 where it says, And this man was righteous and devout. Uh, That is to say, he had a relationship with God, and he was careful in his relationship with God. That's what the word devout means. It means to be cautious or to be careful. So Simeon did not have a thoughtless walk with God. He had a thoughtful walk with God. He didn't have a careless relationship. He had a careful relationship with God, one that earned him the public reputation of being devout. Simeon was careful towards God. He was careful towards God's word. He was careful to pray. He was careful to give glory and to bring glory to God by how he lived. He was a righteous and a devout man. And it's because Simeon was devout and careful in his walk with God that he is also de- that it is also described that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, you need to understand, to understand that phrase rightly, that biblically, waiting for something to come from God always involves praying. Waiting for something to come from God, biblically, always involves praying. For example, Psalms 69 verse 3 says this, I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. So there the psalmist was waiting, and therefore he was praying, praying so much, his throat was getting worn out. See, waiting on God is not like waiting in a doctor's office, right? Where you just sit there and do nothing. Waiting on God is a lot more like a waiter or a waitress in a restaurant waiting on a table. It is not a passive waiting, it is an active waiting. When you're being attentive, ever present and ever aware of what God wants from you. For example, Psalms 123 verse 2 says this, Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy upon us. So waiting on God is an active waiting. When we're waiting on God, we are ceasing to follow our own agenda, And we are ceasing to trust in our own strength. By waiting on God, we're starting to actively follow God's agenda. And we're starting to actively trust in His strength. How do we actively wait? By praying. By praying. As Micah 7 verse 7 says, But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. 
Waiting involves praying. Waiting for something from God always involves praying. So when it says here that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel, that means that he was praying steadfastly for it. He was praying for the coming consolation or comfort of Israel. But you might be asking tonight, well, what is the comfort of Israel that Simeon was praying for? In short, to make it very short, he was waiting for the Messiah. He was praying for the coming of the Messiah. One of the titles that the rabbis used for the Messiah was Menachem. At least this is as close as I can get in pronunciation in Hebrew. Uh, It means the consoler or the comforter. Jewish teachers gave the Messiah this term because of a lot of promises that are found in the Old Testament, particularly from passages like Isaiah 40, verse 1, which says, Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord, says your God. You ask, well, comfort them with what? Verses 10 and 11 of Isaiah 40, comfort them with this. For behold, the Lord God comes. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. That's comfort. And the divine comforter, the Menachem, will come and bring it. Uh, Just as Isaiah 40, 49, 57, and 66 all promise. And so Simeon here was longing for that comforter to come. He was longing for this consoler, this Messiah to arrive And you know why. We saw it the last time we were together. It's because Israel was deep in sin, in apostasy, in unbelief, in legalism, and in liberal theology. They were oppressed, both physically and spiritually. Simeon longed for the coming of the great comforter who would bring God's promised comfort to his people. And so Simeon was waiting for him. He was praying for him steadfastly that he would come. And in so doing, by the way, I want you to know that Simeon's prayers joined a whole host of all those true Israelites who ever prayed for their comforter to arrive also. I mean, Simeon wasn't just praying for his own comforter. He says that he was praying for the consolation of what? Israel. Israel. All those who were true children of Abraham by faith had been praying for a millennia that the divine comforter and consoler would come and deliver God's promised comfort to his people who were sorely oppressed. I mean, Isaiah's own promises that I had just referred to were written 700 years before this moment happened. Imagine all the people who would have read Isaiah's promises over those 700 years, looked up from those promises, seen the world around them, and prayed, Oh God, please send the comforter. Please send the consolation of Israel. You know, it's been nearly 2,000 years since Jesus finished the Bible with, surely I am coming soon. Imagine all the people in those 2,000 years that have read those words and prayed with the Apostle John, Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. God might remember all those prayers, but the passage wants us to ask this question, does he really hear them? All these times that we've prayed, Does God really receive our prayers? Does he really accept them? Does he really, truly answer them? Or does he let some of our prayers just fall to the side, ignored and unanswered? Well, look at the end of verse 25 and 26. It says, And the Holy Spirit was upon him, 
And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now that is pretty awesome when you think about it. And I have to tell you, I don't know exactly what that would have looked like. How he knew that, how that was communicated. Uh, the prophecy in Daniel 9.26 would have told Simeon generally uh, what years to expect the Messiah to come to Israel. Um, so maybe the Holy Spirit gave, gave Simeon a firm confidence that this would happen in his lifetime, that he wouldn't die before it came. Or maybe God audibly communicated that truth to him. I don't really know. But what a joy it would have been for someone whose name literally means the Lord hears to suddenly find out that after praying over and over and over again for God's promised comfort and comforter to come, to then be told that he would not die until he saw that prayer answered with his own eyes. To be told, just like Zechariah was, the Lord has heard your prayers. So verse 27 says this, And he came in the Spirit into the temple. Now that is not saying that God revealed to Simeon Uh, that the child would be there that day. What that's saying is that as a devout man walking in the Holy Spirit and waiting for God to bring about the promises that he had given concerning the consolation of Israel, Simeon came to the temple. You say, well, why? To pray, right? That is why you come to the temple, to offer sacrifices and to what? Pray. You find out from the book of Isaiah, and it's reiterated by Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, that the temple was to be a house of what? Prayer for all people. There were three times of prayer held for the Jewish people in the temple every day. He had come to pray. He had come to pray. And so one day, as Simeon was waiting and praying for the consolation of Israel, as he had probably done for countless times out of mind, uh, something happened. The end of verse 27 says, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Now I can picture his excitement, can't you? That moment when Simeon saw his Redeemer. You know why I can picture that excitement? Because I too cannot wait for that day when I will finally see my Redeemer face to face and know Him as He truly is. See Him as He truly is. My Savior who died for me, the comfort of even my soul. So I know that when Simeon saw Jesus, everything else faded away in that moment. As he was captivated and drawn in wonder and awe at the face of his Redeemer. He may not have even known what he was doing when he took that child up. I wonder if Mary was like, who are you and what are you doing? But he was enraptured to see the answer to his prayers, to look upon his face and to feel the glory of knowing that the Savior whom he held in his arms held him as well. What a wonder, what an awe, and what a joy and peace that must have come over Simeon's soul. And we don't have to guess at that because that's exactly what Simeon says next in the next few verses. Because look what he says in verse 29. It says, and he said, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. God, I can now die in peace. I can now die full of assurance and well-being. I can now die full of comfort, just like you promised. Why? 
Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now, if salvation entailed anything else other than what Jesus Christ was going to do, he couldn't say that. But because salvation is found in Christ alone and solely upon what he has done, he could look at that child in his arms and says, there's my salvation right here. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. And then this must have shocked the Jewish people that if they heard Simeon say it, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So Simeon's saying, I have peace, I have assurance, I have comfort, I have know that it is well with my soul. Why? Because my eyes have seen your salvation. God had heard Simeon's prayers. And not just Simeon's, he had heard, the, he had heard Israel's and the Gentiles. Here was God's salvation, his answer to prayer for all peoples, for comfort. As Isaiah 49 verse 6 says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. In other words, God God the Father was saying to his son there in Isaiah 49, Being the Savior of only Israel is not good enough for you, Jesus. So then God says this, I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. That is Christ. And that's why we're here as a church. Because this is who Jesus is. The hope of all the world. That's Jesus. All the promises of God find their yes and amen in him, as 1 Corinthians 1.20 says. He is God's ultimate answers to all of our prayers. Jesus is. Jesus is. He hears. God hears every prayer. Jumping down a few verses, we see this truth repeated again in verse 36, where it says this, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. So you say, okay, so what did Anna do for all of those years of widowhood? Verse 37 says she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. You say, well, what was she praying about? Well, I'm sure she prayed about many things, but considering the context of what's about to be said in verse 38, concerning who she's about to talk to and what she's about to talk about, she's waiting and praying for the redemption of Jerusalem, for the Redeemer to come. Just as Simeon was praying for the Comforter, Anna was praying for the Redeemer. So here we see someone of great spiritual fervency, someone who loved and sought the Lord with all of her heart. And guess what? Just as God had promised, he was found by her. God heard her prayers. Look at verse 38. And coming up at that very hour, probably as Simeon was prophesying about who this child was, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Notice first, here, who did Anna begin to speak of? She began to speak of God. That's what it says, right? She began to give thanks to God and to speak of him. But why did she begin to speak of God at that very hour? It's because she had just seen God in human flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, the Savior and Sovereign of all. And notice, second, she stopped her lifelong practice of fasting and prayer, didn't she? She stopped that. Instead, she started suddenly giving thanks and running around telling everybody else who had been praying for the redemption of Israel, stop praying and look at this. Here's your answer. 
Here is the Comforter. Here is the Redeemer. He has come to bring redemption not just for Jerusalem, but as Simeon was prophesying, doubtless at that very moment, also for the entire world. God had heard every prayer and had answered. So no more fasting and with your prayers. No more sorrow with your prayers. Now give thanks in all your prayers. Because God has heard every prayer and he has answered them. He has answered them. You know something? Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. 1 John 5.14 says this. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears every prayer. God not only remembers every prayer that will be offered up tonight, but as we surrender ourselves to God's will and God's spirit in prayer, God has promised to hear every single one of our prayers and answer them according to his perfect will and wisdom. Not one single prayer tonight will drop to the ground unanswered. And ultimately, every single one of the prayers offered up tonight will be answered in its fulfillment in the coming of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! That we can not only look forward to the answer to our prayers, but we already know the one who is the answer to them. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so tonight, let's pray. And let's pray with confidence, knowing that if we ask anything tonight, according to the will of God as he is revealed in his scripture, he will hear us. God hears every single prayer. And so, tonight, let's pray. Let us pray.